0: Let us turn now to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you praise that uh, we can gather here, to come and to worship Christ, who is no longer the newborn king, the, the king of all ages, king who even now reigns over his people, king who carries out his work, who shall someday return and lay all things before your feet. And we give you praise for our great King Jesus Christ. May all the more in this season, as we celebrate that birth, we celebrate the one who came here upon this earth to win the great victory for us over sin and death. So he died on that cross, and made atonement for our sins, Though he was buried, yet he rose again. He has ascended on high. He is not only our king, he is our high priest. He ever intercedes for us. He has opened the way for us into the heavenly temple. There is nothing that we need fear. He has prepared the way for us. He watches over us. He guards us. There will be that day that he shall return customate his kingdom, to claim all of his people, and settle them into the new heavens and the new earth. We thank you for these truths that we can hold on to, these promises in which we can place securely our hope. Father, it is in such hope that we also confess our sins before you, Though we have called upon Christ for our salvation, though we have declared that he is the one whom we will follow, yet we must confess before you that we have failed time and again, that we have not possessed that true faith that we have needed so that we follow him with confidence and do not fear and do not try to have to earn our own way to heaven and try to protect ourselves from others. So we confess these things before you. And yet all the more then we give you thanks for Jesus Christ. For our salvation does not depend upon how well that we have done a good job of confessing our sins and we remember which ones to confess and we hopefully will not sin in this coming week. Our hope rests in that complete work of our King, Jesus Christ, who's won that victory once and for all. And he will carry out his promises. He will not fail. Thank you, our great God, for our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for this world to know our Lord, a world in which there is much darkness. We pray for the light of the gospel to go forth. We give you thanks for those who have left their homes, who have gone into new lands, new cultures, new tongues so that they may proclaim the hope that is in Jesus Christ. May they bear fruit. May they, this season, while they are far away from home, continue to be lifted up to find their joy and their faith in their Savior. Our Father, we pray for those here in our own congregation and in our community who, in a season that is one of joy, yet also mourn, Pray for those who have lost loved ones recently. We think of the family of Tom Wozness. I give you thanks for his life and the impact that he had upon this community. Pray for that comfort of his family. We pray for the for Carlton Curtis and his family, his brothers, as they uh, mourn the loss of his mother. I give you thanks that uh, again here was one who followed after you for many years and who has left a legacy of faith and hope that is in Jesus Christ. We pray for Cheryl Andrews who has just lost her mother this very morning and we pray for her comfort and your peace to be upon her and all of the family of her mother and pray for your blessings and upon them and thank you again for one who has known you. Our Father, we rejoice today at, at really a homecoming of a beloved pastor, Bill Barton, who's with us to worship and to lead us and give us your word. We pray for that you would answer his prayer this morning, that your word will go forth clearly, that it will bear fruit for this congregation that he deeply loves. And we pray that because of his being here, Uh, to share your word in his own hope in you, that all the more that we will be strengthened in our faith and dedicated to following after you. And we pray for your mercies and blessings uh, upon him and his family. We pray that you would grant him uh, your healing power, but even more, again, for his own prayer, to bear that strong witness of Jesus Christ. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you that we are not as those who are without hope, and that whatever comes our way, and whether they are wonderful, joyous things, whether there are great trials, our standing with you has never changed, that inheritance is ever assured and is awaiting for us. And so we rejoice and give thanks for our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Worship there while he was on staff.
1: He served a church in Gainesville, Florida. I went down to visit my brother and went to his church and visited and walked in and there he was. And then as recently as about two months ago, two and a half months ago, we were worshiping together at First Presbyterian Church in Columbia and saw each other and talked. So I've known him a long time. I want you to know how gracious he has been in this invitation and how open to me, and I'm very appreciative of that. Also, I want to thank the session. I started to say my session. It's not my session. (laughs) I wanted to thank our session. Um, They have been very gracious in their invitation to me. The time I spent with the elders of our church was a beautiful time and had some relationships that have grown out of that, That lasts through this very moment. People I love and care about. You pray for your pastor. It's no accident he's here. It was divinely ordained by God that he be with you at this time. Have I started preaching? (laughs) And you pray for your session. They also serve at his pleasure. So pray for them and embrace them and lift them up. And now I'm going to preach open your bibles if you would we're going to be studying from the book of acts the first chapter and we're going to look at the seventh and eighth verses together the book of acts the first chapter the seventh and eighth verses i know you've never heard this before when you find your place put your finger in your bible and look up so I'll know when to pray. Let's talk to the Lord. This is your time, Lord. You have divinely appointed this moment. And you're about to speak to us, and I pray you'd give all of us ears to hear it. I pray, dear God, that you would guide the words that come from my heart and mouth, and I pray, O Lord, that you would cause a change to take place in all of us because of what you do in this place today. Bless us, Lord, for I ask it in Christ's name, amen. Many of you know that I live just outside the city of Columbia, South Carolina, have lived there for, since 82, long time. <clears throat> for years, I would drive downtown Columbia, and one of the east-west corridors is a street called Taylor Street. And I would drive down Taylor Street, and I noticed one day, on the right-hand side in a residential neighborhood on this four-lane road, there was a fence And you could tell the fence had been built in two stages. The first stage was out of stone, and it was about three feet high. And then you can tell that they came back and they bricked up about another eight feet. So you cannot see inside that city block. Well, if you drive around that city block, it's fenced in on all four sides. There's a house on the back side with a driveway next to it, and it looks like the drive runs up to the house. It doesn't if you're curious like I am you'll get on that driveway and go see where it goes I drove back there some years ago and as I drove down that little driveway I came to a little roundabout and on the far side was a gated entry that led into that compound area I stopped, and on on the right-hand side there was a very old bronze sign that was embedded in the stone and it said, the Hebrew Benevolent Society. 1926, the Jewish community in Columbia, South Carolina, started a cemetery. They had maintained that cemetery all these years. I drove in, and as I drove in, there were a couple of things that caught my attention. One, there are no flowers, unlike our cemeteries. And if you ask the Jews why, they'll tell you because that's a pagan practice, which it probably is. And it's practiced all over the world in pagan societies to this day. They put flowers out. If you look real closely, you'll see they have a substitute. They take stones like that. And I want to tell you about this stone. I did not steal this from that cemetery only because I have a fear that they might have cameras on me and I can see the headline, Presbyterian minister caught stealing rock. So I didn't do that. They have stones like this on top of the headstones. And if you do a little research, you'll find out there are two reasons. One is they put the stone on top of the headstone as a signal or sign to other people that somebody cared enough to come by and pay their regards. We do that with flowers. There's a theological reason for it, which is really significant. They are saying to each other, we come into this world empty-handed, and we leave empty-handed. And as I read that, it dawned on me most of us don't live that way. Most of us are busy building sandcastles, which one of us hadn't gone to the beach and built a sandcastle and, and then watched the high tide come in and wash it away. So you can take our degrees that we've earned in college. You can take our vocational positions. You can take our savings and checking and investment accounts. And folks, they are all sandcastles none of them last. They all get washed away one way or another. And folks, if you're living for your sandcastle, wake up. It does not have any kind of an ultimate reward. And it may be getting in your way spiritually right now. So I challenge you, go home and think about that. Well, I guess Because of what's going on in my own life right now, a question has come up in my mind. The question is, how will I be remembered? I don't think people are going to remember I have an earned doctor's degree because I usually don't act like I do, so they probably won't remember that. I'm positive they won't remember my savings or checking and investment accounts. If they do, they might just giggle a little. So what is it they're going to remember? What are they going to remember about you when somebody's ready to put a stone on top of your tombstone? Well, I read through Scripture, and I have a partial answer to that. Because God has done something in our life that makes a world of difference if we allow Him to do it. And we do have some say over it. We have to allow him. But there's something that God's put in place and he wants to do in our life. And I want to read it to you. And I want you to understand if you do this, you will be remembered not just now, but eternally. You got that? I want you to look with me at Acts, the first chapter. And listen very carefully as God speaks to us. Beginning in the seventh verse, he says, he said to them, it is not for you to know the time or epochs which the father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem in all Judea, Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You remember, as I do, that after Jesus was crucified, he was buried. A miracle took place that we avow, and that is that he was raised from the dead. Can you imagine somebody actually believing that? We believe something that's almost unbelievable. And we believe it because God did a work in us to enable us to believe it. During that 40 days after his resurrection, he met with people, talked with people, ate with people, did a whole variety of things. He Spent a lot of time with his disciples, but he spent a lot of time with some other folks also. And our Bible tells us he exposed himself to a great many other people that we don't even have an accounting of. Jesus wanted a lot of witnesses to the fact that he was raised from the dead. He didn't want just a small select group of 11 men to be able to talk about that, or even a larger group of 120. If you look carefully at the verses, he says, He said to them, It is not for you to know the time or ethics when these things are going to happen. You want to know about the future? I've just had a foretaste of that. Wish I didn't know about the future. Because it gives you something to worry about. Something to check off and on all day long and every morning when you get out of bed. I think it's far better that we not know. That God have a plan and that he's working his plan out in our life. And what he wants from you and what he wants from me is for us to live moment by moment by faith. And I'm going to ask folks at the luncheon today to pray for two things. One of the things is that I'll have the faith to walk this walk. Because I love the Lord. And I want to do good in my walk. So you guys pray for me. Pray for my family. He says, you don't know why I'm doing the things I'm going to do. And in essence, you can almost see the little asterisk. He says, I'm not going to tell you. I've read somewhere, pretty authoritative, that said, don't worry about tomorrow. Today's troubles will be enough for us. And aren't they? So let's just focus on today. And what he's saying is, I want you to walk by faith. I want you to get out of bed in the morning, and I want you to say, here I am, Jesus. Help me. Help me see opportunities. Help me walk where you walk. Talk the way you want me to talk. Help me to do what you want me to do. And, folks, if you're starting your day some other way, I encourage you to take a look at your day and ask God to help you start it differently and live it for him. If you look carefully at the verse, he goes on and says to us, you're going to receive a gift. Jesus had already promised this gift. And the gift is, he says, I'm going to give you the gift of my Holy Spirit. Well, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and if you believe that he was raised from the dead, Romans 10:9 says, you shall be saved, period. You believe that? Do you? It's okay. We press parents can hold our hands up. (laughs) Don't hold both of them, just hold one.
0: If you really
1: believe that in your heart, God has worked a miracle. If you don't know that yet, say something to Mary, or say something to one of the elders. Say something to me. Let us talk with you about Jesus. There's no substitute for knowing Him personally. Go into church. Personally is what it's all about. So ask yourself, do I know him personally? And if not, do something about that. you got some people standing here who want to help. He says, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And he says it in an interesting way. And this is what God has done for us. He said, I will. It's an imperative. Not I might, or I'm going to talk about it, or I'm going to meet with the committee about it. He said, I am going to give you my Holy Spirit. And he uses an interesting word. He said, I'm going to extend the power of the Holy Spirit on you.
0: So when the Holy Spirit has
1: come on us, theologically we understand it's one visit. He now resides in here. He doesn't have to be invited back in. So he's in each one of us. And if you're not in touch with that, you need to get in touch with it. He's already here. He uses the word, he's going to bring his power. I love that word. The word power, if you go back into the Greek, simply means he's going to take a stick of dynamite, he's going to light it, and toss it into your life. And when that stick of dynamite explodes, it rearranges things. So, what he's going to do when the Holy Spirit comes on you is give you a new heart. You're going to start looking at people differently. You're going to have a compassion on people. You're going to be more of a forgiving person. No, that's absolute yet. That happens on the other side. But we're moving that direction if we are walking in the Spirit of God. So he's saying, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit, and my Holy Spirit is going to change you, and what he's going to do, he's very specific. He says, and what he's going to do He's going to empower you to be a witness. I dare say, if you sat down and I sat down at the end of the day, if we're not very careful, we're a witness for ourselves. We try to get praise from other people. We try to get their attention. And he's saying, no, no, that's not what this walk is all about. What this walk is all about is I want you to be a witness to me. I want you to talk about me in a society that does not want to hear about God. I want you to find a way, by the grace of God, in your work, even though there are policies that say you may not do this, that you can be a witness for the Lord. And one way is to pray for the people who work with you. Pray for the people around you. Let the Holy Spirit move on them that they might ask you. And it happens all the time. Just pray about it. Give it to him. But he wants you to be a witness for him. Is that possible? Do you have a theological education? Isn't that reserved for just us guys who went to seminary? It's not, is it? I want to give you a biblical example. If you move into the second chapter, you'll see it. This is what God has done. This is how radically he will change a person if they will surrender to him. There's a beautiful account of the day of Pentecost. We read the words that Jesus told his disciples to go back into Jerusalem. They went back into the city and went back into an upper room. We read that and put a period and move on. Don't do that. I want you to stop and think. No sooner was Jesus arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, 30 or 40 days earlier, on a Thursday night, the disciples disappeared. Oh, one of them whipped a the sword out, cut somebody's ear off. Jesus had to heal his ear. After Jesus got through the healing his ear, he rebuked the guy. He said, Peter, shouldn't have done that. Well, Peter kind of fades back, and the others absolutely disappear. Peter resurfaces when Jesus is being tried. You remember what happened? Jesus said to him, you're going to deny me three times before sun. Three times before the crow. Crow. Before the rooster. Not crow. Before the rooster. Maybe that's part of what's happening to me. Before that rooster crowed. Three times Jesus was up there in front of the people who were trying him, and he looked out, and Peter is asked, Do you know him? Never laid eyes on him. Three times he denied knowing Jesus or being a follower. And then Peter disappears. Now Jesus is saying to them, I want you to go back into Jerusalem. I want you to go back in to a city that is filled with Jews from all over the civilized world who come back on a pilgrimage, I want you to go back into the midst of those people who killed me and who are looking for you because they want to stomp out Christianity. They went back into the city. I would think when they got to that upper room, they probably kept the drapes closed Not wanting anybody to know they were there. Because if they were found out, they might be persecuted or killed. While they're in that upper room, a promise had been made to them, and God keeps every promise. Every promise. He had promised the Holy Spirit would come. There's the sound of wind. The sound was so loud that people in the streets hear it. And it's like wind is rushing through that room. Then there is as if tongues of fire are reaching out on each one of those disciples and touching them. Wouldn't you like to have been there? You know what that fire and tongue is all about? You look at scripture, fire is often symbolic of the presence of God. A burning bush. It's holy ground. The Holy Spirit did exactly what Jesus promised, and the Holy Spirit came on those disciples and filled them. But it's not just an infilling. It's an infilling with a purpose, because the people outside have gathered in the streets, and they're talking about the sound and the flashing of light they see, and they're trying to decide what happened, and some of them call out and say, well, Maybe they just had too much to drink. And Peter and the other ten disciples come out of that upper room and come down into the midst of a crowd that's a hostile crowd. And they do that under the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of change that takes place. And if you look in the second chapter of Acts and read through it, you'll see the sermon that Peter then preached. And I can just picture him. Not just three, but more than 3,000 people gathered together outside, his disciples of Jesus around Peter, and Peter preaches one of those little pansy sermons that people preach where they don't want to offend anyone. He says little things like, You put the Savior to death. That's kind of direct. You killed the Son of God. He confronted them with their sin. And you know why he was doing that? Because the Holy Spirit was at work with that crowd of people. This was a God thing. God came to minister to those people. And he changed the life of Peter and the disciples. And he used people who weren't trained to do this. And he gave the utterance to a fisherman that he might talk to those people. And he used what he said to pierce through to their hearts and to touch them. This is not an experience that's exclusive to the disciples. This is an experience that is normative for all of us. And what he's doing is saying in the beginning of the New Testament church, this is how the church ought to behave. This is what the church ought to do. He says, You will be my witnesses. He wants us to do that. Golly, you know, I was with you for 17 months. It's hard to believe I've been gone seven months. What's happened to our country? In the last 20 months, make a grown person cry. The number of abortions done in our country since the 1970s must make God cry. Those are His creation. How dare us? How dare we do that? Is it surprising we're having a hard time in our country? How we have offended our Creator. And you look at what's going on. Later in this same chapter, second chapter, we are told that we live then in a perverse generation. <laughs> so do we. How perverted this generation is. Perverted from the things that are important to God. The things that he holds dear to his heart. And we've hung a left and we're moving away from them. Just heard this last week, as many as you did. There's a school in California... Planned Parenthood's been asked to go into the school and teach a sex education course. My goodness gracious, people have lost their minds. And they're advocating alternate lifestyles. They're advocating sex for teenagers and talking about how to manage that sex. You know what's happened to our society? It's you and me. We're not getting the message out of it. We're not proclaiming Christ in the public market. And the market's listening to somebody else. And Jesus has said, but I want you to do that.
0: I want you to take the gospel
1: out. I have a desire. Not that I've got a corner on desire. I've got a desire. The reason I'm here today is I want to tell you, this church isn't just about a pastor. It's not just about calling a pastor. If it is, you're missing the Mark folks. I'm here. Marion's here because God's called us to serve. It's not about us. You know what it's about? It's about you being the church that God wants you to be. And you can do that if you'll just follow the teaching of Scripture. And if you will start sharing Jesus with other people, you will be amazed at the response. But you know what it requires? You must surrender to the Holy Spirit. I ask you if you know Jesus as Lord and Savior. How many of you are allowing still telling him how it's going to be. Do you understand the issue? We say, here I am, Lord. I believe, and now I'm going to do it my way, and will you come along and bless me? And that's not how it works. He emphatically has told us what we need to do as a church, we need to do what he wants us to do. But you've got to surrender. So you can walk in the spirit instead of walking in the flesh. Some of my family is here this morning. Our son died. Many of you know this because I have spoken to it before. He died back in 2002. We had a service for him in Columbia, South Carolina at the church I had pastored for 20 years and Then we went over to Memphis and we did another service there at the church. He and his wife, Missy, who's here today, that they were attending. There was a reception after each of those services. And I was standing in the reception hall at St. Andrew's Presbyterian in Columbia. And a young man walked up and shook hands with me and introduced himself. He said, Dr. Barton, I met your son in college at Belhaven College. And he told me about Jesus, and I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Okay. That's probably the best thing I've heard. Um, you know, my son was a jock. He was an athlete. He did all kinds of amazing things athletically. I was so pleased to hear that he shared Jesus with somebody. You get remembered for that. They can't remember the touchdown you not until the next person scores one, but they remember the spiritual things. And then he went on to say to me, and now I'm an ordained Presbyterian minister in our denomination. And I thought, isn't that beautiful? We go to Memphis. Missy, have I ever told you this? I go to Memphis and we're having a reception after the memorial service. And this young man walked up to me and said, Dr. Barton, I knew your son in college. He said, uh, He led me to the Lord. Well, we Presbyterians understand what that means. It means he mugged the guy, and the guy came to faith. Everybody understand that? And I said, Well, that's wonderful. He said, Well, Dr. Barton, I'm a full time youth minister in the church. That's how I'm spending my life. And I walked away, and I have thought, and I've actually said this to some folks, it doesn't totally take care of the hurt about his death. But it sure helps. Because now when I think about my son, I think about the people he led to Jesus. Let me go back where we started. It's all going to wash away everything you've been working for. And I promise you, one generation from now, almost nobody will remember your name. Two generations from now, they won't. Ask a high school student who Ronald Reagan was, and you will be astounded. They do not know. That's the way of the world. But you know what will happen if you share Jesus with other people? When you get to heaven, there are going to be some people on the other side waiting on you. They're going to say, thank you for telling me about Jesus. They're going to remember you. And after you get there, assuming Jesus hasn't come yet, some more people that you have told about Jesus are going to come to heaven by his grace, and they're going to remember you too. That doesn't get washed away. You know the other person that's going to remember you? Jesus is going to look at you and he's going to say, Well done, good and faithful servant. You will be remembered. And you'll be remembered for the things that are Hey folks. go home and think about it. Go home and pray about it. If you haven't surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit and he is not using you as a witness, know that that's the only legacy that matters. none other. Do you understand? It's so important. You be the church the Lord Jesus wants you to be. he will take care of your pastoral stuff. You be the church. You hang tight together. You be one. Pray for your leadership. Pray for your pulpit committee. I know a little bit about what they do because I've been honored to have some communications in the last seven months. They're doing a good job and they're working for you all. Pray for them. More importantly, You be a witness for the Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, our life gets so confused. We have so many demands on us and so many demands we put on ourselves. So many things that just absorb our time and our interest and our resources. And when it comes around to being spiritual, unfortunately, so much of that is just allocated to Sunday morning. I pray for us as a church. I pray that your Holy Spirit would have a new freedom here. And that you would work in all of us. And that you would use all of us today. Not let us worry about tomorrow, but just be available to you today. Bless this church, I pray, Father. For I ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask my wife to go to the back door if she would. That way you all can see my wife. (laughs) If you would, please. And if you all will let me get down that center aisle, I'd appreciate it. I want to tell you, I'm walking slower than I used to. So you all get up slow. (laughs) Let's stand together.